0: Hello. Welcome to another edition of the brand new Business Line Portfolio podcast, your weekly source for engaging conversations and new ideas on personal finance. Business Line Portfolio is our premium personal finance weekly special issue that is published every Sunday. The 10 pages of Portfolio combine credible research and insightful journalism to offer you actionable personal finance advice on everything related to insurance, investing in equities and everything in between. Business Line Portfolio is quite unique. Unlike other newspapers that offer investment advice using research done by external agencies or research firms, we have our in-house team of experts and researchers and we have our own proprietary mutual funds tracking system called Star StarTrack which make Business Line Portfolio quite unique. And I would urge you to subscribe to the newspaper if you haven't already. It's on Sundays. For this edition of the Business Line Portfolio podcast, I have with me Aarti Krishnan. Aarti Krishnan is a senior financial journalist. She's been writing on investing and personal finance for the last 25 years. And she's a jargon buster herself. She gets quite irritated by a plethora of jargons used by personal finance companies, which she believes makes the world of investing rather unnecessarily complex uh, for the people outside, for consumers. Hi Arthi, how have you been? Hi,
1: I've been good.
0: What makes you anti jargon What gets you a goat <laughs> with jargons?
1: See, basically personal finance is not the rocket science everybody makes it out to be and actually Scott Adams has written the entire essence of personal finance in 12 lines. Things like don't borrow too much or benefit from compounding. So the basic essence of managing your money well is actually quite simple. Whereas this entire ecosystem of product manufacturers, distributors, agents, banks, etc. They exist to basically complicate things so that you will feel that you need a lot of advice and a lot of help. And this also results in many people shying away from planning their finances well because they feel that they really don't understand this. In object.
0: our confusion lies their profit.
1: Exactly. Analysis leads to paralysis. So they analyze so much that they feel they can't act on it.
0: Arthi, in continuation with what we were discussing last week with Vardhani, we were talking about the fundamentals of a good financial plan, a personal finance plan. She was telling me that insurance is the basic building block of any good plan. Since you've been writing on the sector for a long time, could you tell us why it is so important and
1: why should people
0: make that the bedrock of their plan?
1: See, the basic purpose of investing is to create some wealth in the long term. You may have some goals which you want to meet, you need money for it, right? But before starting to grow your wealth or invest your income and make money from from it, you have to protect what you have, right? Mm -hmm. So insurance is all about protection. Though in India, insurance is often misunderstood as an investment, etc., etc., it's actually about protection. So if you look at, say, life insurance, you assume that you will be earning an income when you start your first job. The question people often ask is, what SIP can I start, right? Or give me a stock tip. Exactly. Nowadays, yes. With Robin Hood and all that. So people ask that. In that, you're making an assumption that the job that you're holding on to currently is going to last into perpetuity and your income is going to grow like clockwork at 10% every year or so. So you think that this thing is going to continue and it's going to keep you in fair comfort, right? But that is not an assumption that you can make very lightly. Of course, in the very worst case scenario, suppose you suffer an accident or something and your income is interrupted for a temporary period, nowadays, you hear of people in their 40s suffering from heart attack etc and their family members are left bereft or there are more likely scenarios like you may lose your job and it may be interrupted for a few months and you don't know what to do. So basically insurance products and protection products help you tide over such scenarios where your income is interrupted or your income is stopped and your dependents actually need that financial support in order to fulfill their goals and to meet their life aims. So insurance should be the first building block of your financial plan because insurance Insurance makes sure that no matter what happens, your plan is not interrupted and your dependents are not left without any financial support.
0: But unfortunately, Aarti, insurance is one of the most neglected financial services products. I think the penetration in India is what, less than 4%. That's right. If I'm not wrong.
1: That's right. Yeah. What
0: is it that prevents people from Mm. thinking about insurance properly? Is it because the benefits are to be gained by a family post your death? Is that something that people are not able to visualize? the effects of not having an insurance?
1: That could be one reason. But I do feel that in India, people are fairly selfless. I feel that when you have a family, you do want to provide for the family before you spend on yourself. We don't have too much of this I-me-myself kind of culture frankly. Mm -hmm. So I think what prevents people from talking about or even thinking about insurance is a slight superstition that if you start talking about things like accidents and death and all that Mm -hmm. it may actually happen. So even when insurers convey their product features to you they try to cloak it under all sorts of so, euphemisms like unfortunate, unfortunate event yeah. instead of saying death. So I think that superstition that even talking about such things is quite bad. If you want to sit down with your wife and say now what do you think I should take insurance? The first thing you will have to start with is so if something happens to me and the wife will say in the typical Bollywood fashion oh don't talk about all this it is very unpleasant mm-hmm. to hear. right? Mm-hmm. So I think it stems from that attitude and the reluctance to acknowledge that something can happen to us. Even from a personal standpoint we don't want to think of such horrible unpleasant things and we want to stick to things where we become very rich and we become Warren Buffett and we start investing. I think it is basically that which stops people from taking insurance. Second thing is insurance in India has never been sold as protection. LIC which has been there for donkey's years has always sold insurance as a kind of savings product. So as soon as you join your job you start investing in an LIC. Investing in an LIC, right? It's not about actually buying insurance or buying protection for your family. I think these are the two reasons. Lately though, I think things are changing. People are more pragmatic and I also think insurers are beginning to talk more about actually protection products and term life and things like
0: that. You know, when I was 10, my father bought some LIC policies for me and just to illustrate this gap of Uh understanding that you mentioned, so the agent who sold this product to my father, he said that the summer short was 1 lakh and my father imagined that after 30 years, Uh uh, which was the tenure of the insurance policy, that I would get that 1 lakh. Mm. When I started writing on business (laughs) at about say 20 or 22, I realized that it's a term plan and there's no money that is going to come back that is the attitude that people have right. that is the kind of imagination that people have about right. insurance products and you said that they look at it as investment we can't imagine a circumstance when the money that we have paid would not come back to us Correct.
1: I've invested so much, I won't get back anything. Yeah, yeah that's true.
0: Arti, we talked about the low penetration of insurance. Even the sort of 4% of the population that has insurance of any form, under insurance remains a big problem true. in India. So what would you describe as adequate insurance? Mm-hmm.
1: So I think this under insurance happens in India first because of this combining of insurance and savings. We usually have investment products with one small insurance component built into it. So when we talk of say a money back plan or say an endowment plan, because of this question people ask at the end of 30 years, what am I going to get? Insurance companies also like to sell these bundle products where you will get back something at the end of 30 years. And into that whole thing, there will also be a small, sum assured or an insurance component built in. Because most people buy these investment in insurance products actually the insurance part tends to be a very small proportion and it is under insurance. now typically companies use rules of thumb like if you have an annual income of say 10 lakhs your insurance cover that you buy should be 10x that or 15x that so 15 times your annual income or 10 times your annual income even if you go to many online calculators that is the approach you'll see but it may not approximate your actual life experience so suppose you take insurance at the age of 25 many of us we were in a lucky generation where when we started out on our careers, we were earning three thousand bucks a month. But today we may be earning. A month, may be earning That's okay. Same, same. <laughs> you know earn a lot. <laughs> Maybe fifty times that, right? So you earn fifty times that, and you never expected your income to go up so much. Whereas insurance is supposed to compensate your dependence for your loss of income. So if insurance cover is only equal ten times my original Rs two thousand five hundred rupee salary, today it's obviously not going to cover me. So I think it is important for a person to be able to project over the next fifteen or twenty years what is likely to be their annual income. It can be done in a very rough way. Say, take a 5% growth or a 10% growth based on the industry you're in. And then arrive at the total amount that you actually think your dependents will need in your absence. And then
0: uh, keep topping it up regularly.
1: It needs to be a dynamic number. At
0: at several sort of stages of your life. Exactly.
1: Mm. So when you start out on your career, you may think 10 lakh is a wonderful sum. But in your 40s, you may think that is completely inadequate because your dependents have gotten used to a certain lifestyle and they have certain goals which need to be met. So you do need to dynamically change and top up your insurance. Maybe every five years, review your insurance cover and do it. You have to do this projection of what is your current income and how much it will increase in the next 20 years and then try to buy an insurance cover that covers it. The second factor I would say is if you are a person who believes in zero loans, etc., great for you. You can just stick to income. But if you have debt already, suppose you've taken a housing loan in your name and your partner is not working, then you have to actually cover in your term insurance plan for that loan outstanding also because if you leave your dependents with insurance but they have to use most of that amount to pay off your pay debt, off debt it's yeah. not going to help them hmm. right so you need to have cover any outstanding liabilities that you have also of course if you've been a prodigal saver then you can reduce your savings from that amount and the net amount you can actually so buffer. if you
0: have a 20 lakh home loan you yes. build that into into your you add your it insurance. to
1: your term cover simply A third factor of course is dependent suppose you have a sibling or younger brother or parent who depend on you, then uh, the dependence needs will be higher, so you need to budget for a higher insurance. On
0: that. Arthi, when you begin the journey of investing in insurance, for the lack of another word, what are the things that a buyer should keep in mind when evaluating an insurance product? Obviously, I would say that going for term insurance with closed eyes, which is the most efficient insurance product, it does what the packaging says so what are the things that one should be mindful of while researching an insurance product and here I would like to add that you know people should do a lot of research don't be put off by jargons or the requirement to engage with some amount of mathematics and numbers and tabulation nowadays when they're buying 10,000 rupee phones they do a lot of research they read scores of reviews and check out so many YouTube videos I think on a matter as serious as insurance I would advise you to do extensive research at least dedicate half a day. Absolutely. You are absolutely right
1: because even in other investments like say a bank, FD or a mutual fund, you have an exit option. right? So after one year you find you made a stupid mistake, you can always exit. But insurance is typically a 15 or 20 year product and once you started paying your premium, if you interrupt it, it will be completely to your disadvantage. So since this is a one-off decision, you are making a very important life-changing one and it is not going to be changing every year, you need to put a lot of research into it. Even if you take extra time to arrive your insurance product, no problem, I think you should actually devote that time. So, having said that, how do you choose the insurance product? Of course, one thing is, it may not be evident from the name of the product, whether it's a term insurance plan or what sort of plan. Typically, you have all sorts of emotional names which are given to these products, Jeevan Jyoti and whatnot. So, you should be careful about knowing what sort of product you're investing in and verify whether it's a pure term policy. Insurers may variously describe it as pure protection, term cover, life insurance. You should be careful that this is what you are investing in. Leaving that aside, as I said, you want the insurer to be around longer than you. So, suppose you are in your 20s and nowadays longevity is really long. So, suppose you live till 95, you want the insurer to be around for another 75 years. This is not true for other investment products. How do I
0: insure that? Yeah.
1: So, you have to make sure that the insurer, whether in India or abroad, thus have a track record that lasts at least 20-25 years. How do I
0: find that out?
1: The inception date. Okay. So, in India actually LIC has been around since the 60s. The private insurers were allowed only 20 years ago, so you can't expect them to be there for that long. But at least if people have been around for 10 plus years, I would feel safer with that insurer because that longevity is there. The other thing is in insurance size is an advantage, a small is not beautiful really, because the larger the capital base of the insurer and the larger number of claims that he has serviced in the past, the more confident you can be that this guy can handle a large number of claims. So, many people say that LIC, for example, is not a very customer-friendly organization and Mm. it's not as interactive as some of the private companies, but from a track record point of view, actually LIC does make sense. Mm. I'm not plugging for LIC, but I'm saying it has that advantage of vintage in its favor, because it has serviced so many claims, it has seen so many scenarios. Second could be uh, looking at the solvency ratio of the insurer, solvency ratio basically how much of extra capital the insurer has after actually taking care of all his liabilities. So, therefore, you have to make sure that if claims come to the insurer in a lumpy way, suppose there is a natural disaster and there are a lot of claims. If the claims come in a lumpy way also, the insurer will not go broke. So, the solvency ratio without getting into the technical formula etc. actually verifies that the insurer has enough capital to service his claims and something more over that. So, the method of calculating solvency ratio is actually specified by IRDA, and insurers are supposed to disclose the solvency ratio every quarter in their website. So, Just check for it. Minimum regulatory requirement is 150 percent, but if 150 150 percent is the ratio. So it is the assets by liabilities in a loose way. So 150 percent is the solvency ratio and if the insurer has more it is better. So 200 or 300 is good. Third thing is claim settlement. We know there are a lot of instances where claims are turned down by insurers. So claim settlement ratio is a ratio that measures of the claims that an insurer receives how many he is actually paying.
0: So, higher the ratio, better now, the track record. Now,
1: the good thing in India is most insurers, life insurers have claimed settlements of over 95, 96%. Uh, Arthi,
0: where can I find all this, this data?
1: So, insurers are supposed to put out quarterly statements called public disclosures on their websites. If you know the websites of individual insurers, you can go there and check it. Otherwise, life insurance council is the industry body. If you go to the Life Insurance Council website, it has links to all these disclosures on a quarterly basis. Yes. IRDA compiles this and puts it in their annual, annual. report, but it's a once a year exercise. Okay. So if you want more updated data, you go to the insurer's website. So if you just put public disclosure and the insurer's name, it will actually take you to that okay. page and you okay. can check it out. And this okay. ratio is anyway over 95, so don't get impressed by 95. Closer to 100, it is the better.
0: top these bundled insurance products which claim to combine the benefits of insurance and growth of your capital. Hmm. How do these products work and why is it the common wisdom that these are not efficient insurance products?
1: These are commonly known as unit linked insurance plans. What these plans do is they combine the features of mutual funds and term insurance plans but the problem is the mutual fund part is higher and the term insurance part is very low. Most people buy these for tax savings. The sellers actually pitch for a high annual Annual premium because we know that under section 80c up to 1.5 lakh a year we have as tax exemption
0: just to make it simple mm. uh, for instance if the premium is say thousand rupees a mm. month for a product like this out of that thousand mm. say only 200 would go towards insurance even or less. even less
1: So out of 1000, you can expect less than 100 to go towards your insurance and the rest will all be going into the market investments done by the Mm. life insurer. So the 90 rupees will be invested just like mutual funds do in stocks, bonds or a combination of both as and how the insurer specifies it. So there are various types of ULIPs. There are aggressive ones, there are conservative ones, moderate ones. Aggressive ones will be mostly investing everything in equity except for the insurance part. The moderate ones will be half-half between debt and equity. So, they channel the entire thing into the markets actually, whatever surplus is left after paying the insurance premium. And just like mutual funds, they declare a regular daily NAV on the basis of which you can gauge their performance. Now, earlier there was an objection to ULIPs on the grounds that they were very high cost products. Mm -hmm. So, in the first year of making the sale, the distributor was earning a commission like 20 or 30% of your premium. So, already one portion of the money is going to insurance, one portion to investment and one portion to distributor. In the end you are left with very little.
0: Is this why it is a very heavily marketed product? Yeah, because of the
1: commissions is. involved? It is. So so initially the commissions were sky high as I said. Then IRIDA brought in certain rules to streamline the fee structure of these products. And it has brought in rules which now say that the fee should be limited to about 3% of the NAV. So ULIP fees even today cannot exceed 3% of the NAV. This is not a bad fee structure frankly. But why people still object to it is because ULIPs are somewhat opaque products. It is a market Product after all, and if you want to choose any market product, you want to compare it to the index, you want to compare it to peers, Mm etc. In ULIPS, this is not at all easy because each product has its own construct and it says it's unique and it can't be compared to anything. So, Mm it becomes Mm -hmm. difficult to line up all the ULIPS launched in a particular year and to see how they are doing. Whereas in mutual funds, you have so many websites where you can do this assessment and then buy the best. So, if you want
0: the growth of a mutual fund, then invest in a mutual fund. Exactly. That would be a better way to do it?
1: Yes, definitely. So you want protection, you buy term insurance plans, you want growth, you buy mutual fund separately. And if, if the mutual fund doesn't perform, you can always check it and exit it, right? Whereas with the ULIP, you're logged in for five years. And this lack of comparability makes it difficult to know whether it's doing well.
0: Thanks a lot, Arthi. That is Thank you. It quite was quite informative. Pleasure. That's all from us today. Tune in next week for another episode of the Portfolio Podcast. You could follow us on our Spotify channel, Business Line Podcast or even Google Podcast or our website www.thehindubusinessline.com. See you.
1: See you.